Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm, I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Rick. Yes, we have the three of us make up the Being Lutheran We are the podcast. three amigos. Yeah. Yes. All right. With that out of the way. Really glad we don't have video right now. I was really, really uh, glad about may, that. Maybe someday. But no, yeah. no one wants to see that. There's a reason we're a podcast. Face for radio. <laughs> I think it would like hinder our conversation I think knowing that super, somebody's watching. Yeah, it would be super oh, right. self conscious. I, yeah. I, I couldn't. We have function. to get like a hairstylist and no, just yeah. kidding. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As Jason uh, rubs his shaved head. <laughs> well, I, if we did video on the podcast ever, do you are your mics good enough to pick up sound through a paper bag? Yeah, like actually. I could draw a smiley face on a paper bag, cut out a mouth hole, and we'd be good to go. Of course they yeah, are. I am a Twins fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a Minnesota fan. sports fan <laughs> in, in the in the fan protection program. Yeah, right. Oh, funny. Wow. While I'm distracted by playoff baseball right now. Uh, because you. your White Sox yeah. are still alive. Look That's at that. That's right. They're playing a elimination game today for the A's. Yeah. yeah. Hush you. Right. I'll probably eat Read that Read the later. Bible. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, yes, we are. We're talking, we're on our Old Testament episode for Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession. And uh, we thought we'd do a Bible study on Psalm 149. Yeah, you think it would be really unnatural to talk about the church in the Old Testament because the church as a concept uh, is really strictly a New Testament thing, but the church as a theology is mm-hmm. Old Testament all the way back. In fact, yep. Martin Luther takes the theology of the congregation all the way back, or the theology of the church, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And and one of the best fu- features of Luther's Genesis commentary are that he he traces the line of Adam mm-hmm. as the faithful teaching of the church, and he traces the line of Cain mm-hmm. as those who are opposed to the word of God. Yep. And it is a really, really excellent hermeneutic to view mm-hmm. the first several chapters, well, all the way through Genesis, really. Yeah, right. That's a good commentary. Um, yeah. So, let's. I'll read uh, Psalm 149 for us, and we'll launch into our discussion here. It says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So could you say that um, a synonym for the church and Israel 
the, the, the chosen nation could be the people of God. Could you yep. mm-hmm. kind of look at it from that perspective and as the people of God were chosen mm-hmm. um, by God uh, through Abraham to be the nation of Israel, uh, that is the olive tree that's talked about, obviously, in mm-hmm. Romans as well, yeah. and how we as Gentiles are grafted in as wild olive branches wild to olive the olive branches. tree yeah. that is Israel and the promise of the Messiah that came to and through the nation of Israel. Right. This is the distinction that we need to understand here. It's the it's the groundwork we have to lay is that there is a a distinction in Scripture between the geopolitical entity of Israel mm-hmm. in the Old mm-hmm. Testament and the people of the promise that are called Israel. The people of the promise flows from Jacob's name being changed. Mm-hmm. That's where the identity of Israel comes from, and it it actually flows before that from the promise made to Abraham yep. and and even before that to Adam and to Noah yep. and and all of that. And so we've we've said it this way a couple times on the podcast and it's a good time to say it again. When you're looking at the flow of the Old Testament and you see mm-hmm. the nation of Israel, you have to recognize that just like the church, there are two separate entities overlaid one on the other. Mm-hmm. And so in the church, there's the outward membership of the church, which consists of both believers and unbelievers who attend church for other reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So we cannot be, uh, strictly speaking, absolutely 100% sure of the salvation of everyone who attends our congregations, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, the capital C church is made up of the people of promise. That applies also to Israel of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at the same time, uh, Israel is made up of everyone who by genes is our ethnic descendants of Abraham. Uh, but in Israel... At any given moment, there are people who rejected God's promise and did not look forward with faith to the Messiah, and there were people who were faithful. And, and, and this is where really the dispensationalists separate themselves from other traditions in Christianity because they're viewing the the people of the promise and ethnic Israel as one and the same, and it's not the case. We know from Scripture that during times of prosperity that there were apostate Jews who rejected the promise mm-hmm. and, and who fell away from the truth of God. At the same time, mm-hmm. we know that during times of judgment, yeah. there were faithful Israelites who still looked forward to the promise. The, right. the, 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 the con- remnant. Yeah, the remnant. The, the convenient proof text for this is at the end of First Kings, it's 18 or 19. I always get the, the chapter numbering confused. Mm-hmm. But it's after Elijah's victory over the prophets of Baal on mm-hmm. Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. Then he flees Jezebel. Mm-hmm. He's pouting in the wilderness. God shows up in the still small voice, which we talked about a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, God's confession, his pronouncement to Elijah as he relieves Elijah of his duties and prepares for Elisha, is that I have reserved for myself in Israel mm-hmm. 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Mm-hmm. And so this is during the time of Ahab and Jezebel yeah. uh, in the northern kingdom, with by, which by and large was apostate, which had fallen into idol, idol worship at Bethel and at Dan, the golden calves. And God says, even during this time of national rejection, 
and, and really read what Ahab says in light of what Amos says and all of the, the judgments against the northern kingdom that mm-hmm. Amos proclaims. And yet God reserved for himself 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed the knee to Baal. And so there is a geopolitical entity of mm-hmm. Israel, mm-hmm. which is consists of a country, its residents, and its mm-hmm. borders. Mm-hmm. And there is a theological entity of Israel, which are people of the promise who had faith in the coming Messiah. Mm-hmm. And the, the base confession of our position here as Christians, mm-hmm. regardless of denomination, is that if there are people who were saved in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. if there are people uh, we can expect to see when we get to eternity, those people were saved in the exact same way that people in the church are saved now, mm-hmm. by having faith in God's redemption and in the promises, promises he gave. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that passage in First Kings 19 uh, is referred to uh, also in Romans, mm-hmm. you know, Romans 11, where we were talking about, you know, the grafting in of the wild olive branches, which are the Gentiles, mm-hmm. and how, you know, the root is holy. And that root, of course, mm-hmm. is Jesus Christ. And it ties really into that picture that Jesus paints in John chapter 15. I am the true vine. My father is yeah. the vine dresser. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he will cut mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. you know, and then the ones that do bear fruit, he will prune so that they bear more b- biblical fruit. And that picture of grafting branches in yep. uh, through branches or through baptism into the people of God is really something that really runs through the whole of Scripture, mm-hmm. even up yeah. until Revelation. It's really quite beautiful, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a consistent theme. Even sin is talked about in terms of the vine and the branches in the tree, in the withering tree, right? And mm-hmm. so you go to passage like Psalm 1, and just for clarification, the phrase we're really focusing on in Psalm 149 that Brett read is verse 1, mm-hmm. sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. So that's mm-hmm. where we're going. We've got this vine and the branches theme we're tracing now in scripture. Psalm 1 talks about the tree planted by waters, that yeah. its roots sink into the ground and it is well established, and the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Mm-hmm. Um, sin is couched in terms of the vine and the branches in Isaiah 59. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we, we uh, or is it Isaiah 64? I always get those two passages. Isaiah 64, we all have become uh, uh, unrighteous, and so that our, our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, right. mm-hmm. and then we are like a leaf that withers and is blown away. It's the mm-hmm. detachment again from the branch. And then Christ takes up the vine and the branches in John 15, mm-hmm. and Paul takes up Christ's mantle at several places, but especially in the book of Romans as we mm-hmm. are grafted in. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's, that's one thing I appreciate about this is we're seeing how you can see them overlapping yep. uh, in the congruity between Old Testament uh, Israel and New Testament church you know, people like to say, you know, replacement theology. It's, it's oh, really. I, a, I find that offensive, mm-hmm. actually. I really do. Yeah. Replacement theology is not a real thing. It's right. not no, what a, scripture a seamless, It's not biblical theology. Seamless at all. between faith, like you're saying, faith. Uh, they had faith in the Old Testament, uh, those that were truly part of Israel, and those were. Uh, I mean, to, to confess replacement theology, to believe that ethnic Israel is a, is a, a, a defined term in salvation is to confess that God changes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to deny the attributes of God because the basic one of the basic teachings of the dispensational church mm-hmm. is that Israel was plan A, 
The church ended up being plan B when Israel rejected God. And then so we've got this this season of history right now where the church is God's focus. And then comes the rapture where the church is snatched off earth. And then during the tribulation and maybe depending on how you believe during the millennium, Mm -hmm. God turns his focus back to ethnic Israel. That is simply not the case. No. And And it's honestly, it's just really lazy theology and school and, and mm-hmm. study of scripture because really if you read you know Romans 9 through 11 it makes it so clear you know that this promise was given to and through the nation of Israel for the people of God and we mm-hmm. call it the church but it is truly the congregation the people of God that's always been proclaimed all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament and it's that wonderful promise that this message of a Messiah who would come is not only for Israel, but that of the whole world. Mm-hmm. And that is something we just really have to pay attention to and I think do a great um, honor to God's word by understanding this in a biblical way. We, we need to do it carefully. We need to do it gently. We need to do it with love. What we do not uh, want to say is that Jews as a people are not part of God's plan, but they're part of God's plan insofar that we have a common history with the Jews, but also because they are targets of the gospel, just like all of the Gentiles mm-hmm. are. Yep. At the same time, the the unity of the Testaments, the unity of the message of God, mm-hmm. the unity of the character of God would tell us that if you are a member of the capital C church right now, you are a member of the same church as Abraham mm-hmm. and as Noah and as David and mm. as Samuel and as all of the prophets. Yeah. Right, that's the yep. same church. It's yep. one and the same, and, and uh, where uh, in the Old Testament it's called the assembly right. of the righteous or the assembly of the godly. In the New Testament, it's called the the church. That's mm-hmm. it's the same terminology, mm-hmm. and you know, go to. Romans 4, go to Romans 9 through 11, go to Galatians 4. Really, the entire book of Hebrews uh, illustrates the the continuity mm-hmm. between the Old Testament and the New Testament on this. And, and what it ends up being, fascinating as we talk about this topic of the church, what it ends up being, it's a treatise, it's an explanation on alien righteousness. Mm-hmm. That there is nothing intrinsic in right. any person that causes them to be righteous. And so that, again, where we would confess the dispensationalists are way off on this mm-hmm. is that there is nothing in the DNA of someone who is ethnically Jewish that would cause them to be elected to salvation by God over and above anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so if a Jew is saved, an ethnic Jew, it is because they were pruned and then they were grafted back in in exactly the same way the wild olive branches were branched in, grafted in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what that Romans 9 through 11 and all of the other passages we mentioned before, it's explaining the concept of alien righteousness mm-hmm. for the church. Right. And chapter 10 stresses that everyone who mm-hmm. calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, and of course, right. it's talking about Jesus yeah. as the Messiah, the one who brought mm-hmm. about God's plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. And this is where you really get into the universal promises of the gospel. John 3.16 becomes applicable. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should mm-hmm. believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see 
skip ahead to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He is the propitiation for your sins, and not only your sins, but the sins of the whole world. Mm-hmm. And you said Romans 10 is a connection there. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. Romans 11 builds on that concept. Not all who are Israel belong to Israel. You know, mm-hmm. that confession that to be, to be des- designated as Israel is... Uh, to be in the church. It's a mm-hmm. declaration, which is exactly mm-hmm. what Psalm 149.1 yeah, is saying. Right. The praise in the assembly of the godly, the assembly of the godly is the those mm-hmm. in the assembly who have been declared mm-hmm. godly, yeah. declared righteous. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so after that, then the benefits and the responsibilities of who the church are, what the church does, flow through Psalm 149 from that designation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's, it defines worship. Verse 2, let Israel be glad in his maker. Yeah, let yep. the children of Zion uh, rejoice in the king. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, verse 5 covers worship. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Brian, one of your themes is that worship flows freely and voluntarily out of salvation, out of redemption. Amen. Yep. That's what a life of worship looks like, but that's what also the act of worship. Is that is that vocation? It is vocation. Uh, a, a we snuck it in on yes. this episode. Well, we had we had uh, like six yeah, minutes right. yeah. to go. Uh, but but all this also notice, and, and we want to tread lightly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Verses seven, eight, and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the the church doesn't do a lot of executing vengeance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I think because we would misunderstand the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church in the left hand kingdom mm-hmm. is to proclaim the truth of God's word mm-hmm. for vocation. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, verses seven, eight, and nine are not talking about the political power of the church. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the church's use of the word of God mm-hmm. for horizontal righteousness, mm-hmm. for vocation as we serve our neighbors. And, and again, a great book to understand what that looks like, the church's political activity, yeah. is Dr. Joel Bierman's book, Holy, Holy Citizens. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. W-H-O-L-L-Y. We mentioned it several times before on the podcast. Just an Excellent book, if you haven't read it, yeah. that lays yeah. out the church's responsibility on the horizontal plane, the church's responsibility in the left-hand kingdom. Yeah, and right. it's also understanding that as Christ consummated his eternal kingdom through his life, death, and resurrection, he will be the one to dispense verses well, 8 nine, and 9 here. Mm-hmm. He will be the one executing ju- judgment and justice, God's divine justice, at his second coming. And in reality, Psalm 149 and the last half of Romans 12 and the first half of Romans 13 are parallel passages. So Romans 12, which we forget its connection to Romans 13, Romans 12, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And then he establishes earthly government to keep order in society. And, and, you know, people on all sides of the political spectrum in the last four years, really, as as long as President Trump has been on the scene, have been claiming Romans 13 as reasons to support President Trump or Romans 13 as ways to uh, oppose President Trump. And you rip scripture out of context and you miss the point altogether. Mm -hmm. The Christian's responsibility on the horizontal plane in the left-hand kingdom is to love your neighbor consistently with the boundaries the word of God gives you. Mm -hmm. And so 
as the church, as the assembly of the godly, what that means is we preach God's word against injustice. We preach yes. yep. God's word against oppression. Amen. We preach God's word against unrighteous rulers. And then the people who have been placed in the vocations of changing that are used by God to change that. Mm-hmm. God works in the left-hand kingdom, just mm-hmm. like God works in the right-hand kingdom, but he works in different ways. Right. One is law, the other is gospel. Yep. One is material and temporal, the other is spiritual and eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. The the church, uh, separation of church and state is not a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. And, and so... In the church, the three of us in the pulpit have a right and a responsibility Mm -hmm. to preach against abortion insofar as the text we are preaching on would touch that subject. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean if we have political hobby horses, if we have agendas, godly as they might be, that we shoehorn those topics into every sermon because if we do that, people are going to stop listening to what we're preaching. And the primary focus of preaching is the cross of Christ and the forgiveness of Mm -hmm. sins. Mm -hmm. Well, we fail to really operate as ministers of the gospel of Christ. And we fail even in the description of Article 7 where the gospel is taught rightly, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the sacraments are delivered, you know. And so all of those things kind of, tie into that nice, wonderful, pithy, you know, description mm-hmm. in Article 7. Well, and I, I think the end of all of this is what we're looking at, and we're going to cover Romans 2, or not Romans, yeah, uh, Acts chapter 2 mm-hmm. with our next episode mm-hmm. on the New Testament study, is that by and large, much of the American church today has no idea what the church should look like. It's 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 an exercise and and. What's interesting, we often have talked, when we're talking about theology, about the pendulum, swinging one way or the other way. When it comes to the existence of the church, I think you have to look at a 3D pendulum, Mm -hmm. where it can swing in any of the four directions. And what you want is the church is all of these things in proportion to what scripture prescribes. Mm -hmm. But in some places, the church is swinging to the north, in some way it's swinging all the way to the east, in some way it's swinging all the way south, in some way it's swinging all the way to the west. And it might be the case that in all four of those directions, what consists of that is good and necessary and right, but it is not intended to be exclusive. Yeah. And so the church that focuses on social justice above everything else is not feeding its people with the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's it's not rightly handling the word of truth. It's not doing something else. The, the church that refuses to talk about contemporary issues and how Christians live in society, in their sanctification and vocations, uh, is also doing a disservice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it has to be all of the above and not just one thing yeah. with the cross as the primary focus. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, good place to stop there and continue with our New Testament study on our next episode. Uh, I'd like to read Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, 
Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we wrap up our discussion on Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.